0: Welcome back to Peak to Pit. I'm Allie Peak alongside TJ Pittinger. We are smack dab in the middle of the college football season now. What are we, week six? Is that what we're looking at? I know the uh, a lot of the conferences are not quite that far in, but it really has been going on since the end of August. And this week I'm not that excited, TJ, because I'm pretty sure my Gators are going to end up not playing.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of rumors and sources and everything else going around that the game against LSU is in jeopardy this week. It sure seems like it's in jeopardy with a ton of reported COVID cases. Um, So not super exciting there. Maybe, I was thinking maybe this was coming at a good time for the Gators who were upset last week, which we'll get into. Uh, But LSU just announced that Miles Brennan, their quarterback, is doubtful for the game, uh, which would normally be good news, right, to get to play a backup quarterback. But when your whole team's doubtful, uh, I don't know that it'll be an advantage for UF if if they don't get to play against the backup. So, um, yeah, not super exciting. I was looking forward to the game. I mean, it hasn't been canceled yet. I will say that. It's Wednesday at about noon um, that we're recording this. It hasn't been canceled yet, but it just seems like all signs are pointing that way, right? Five positives came out. Now it's up to, what, 19, a couple of well, staff members as well. And so it's,
0: but that it's trending the wrong been, direction. But that 19 hasn't been confirmed. Correct. Right? That that 19 but, was a was a student reporter who reported she had sources that told her it was 19, but then she later walked it back and said other sources were telling her it was not that high. Um, I also have a couple of sources in the program. They didn't tell me a number, but they definitely said that the 19 was wrong. Um Something I think is interesting and worth pointing out is that let's say there are 19 positives. Florida technically still does not have to cancel this game. The way that the SEC rules for COVID are written is that you are you can have as long as you have 53 eligible players, you can move forward. You need to have four defensive linemen, five offensive linemen, and a quarterback. Um, and actually, even the 53 is up in the air because there is a scenario where you'd still be allowed to play as long as you hit the other categories for specific player positions. So if Florida doesn't play, it's going to be because their administration decided that it was not a safe decision, that it wasn't the responsible decision, not because that's actually what the SEC rule says. And I do think that's an a, a important distinction. If UF wanted to push the issue, if their administration was willing, which I don't think their administration's willing um, to to take any kind of gambles um, on a situation like this. So I, I'm in no way saying with 19 players, if they really had 19 positives that they would play, but they could.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, we've talked about this as well. Like Mullen can use it to a, uh, I mean, obviously it's not just Mullen, right? Like Mullen wants some things to happen that, the administration would never let happen anyway, sure. right? With regards to fans of the stadiums and other things like that. But Which we'll if it was kind of later a gray,
0: because I have a thought on that. But go on.
1: If it was kind of a gray area, um, and let's say so, Florida's really deep at the running back position, right? Like so, let's just say it was, you know, one of the rumors that's floating around there is that it's a starter that's out, right? Right. So if it was just, I won't say any names, but just kind of Florida has a three-headed running back monster, right? So right. if it was just, it, and none of them are like. Head and head and shoulders above the other, right? Like, so, no, if it was but just there's one of, of them,
0: them who uh, maybe shouldn't touch the ball for a little while as punishment.
1: <laughs> if there was one of those guys that was hurt, right? Or Florida is really deep at wide receiver, so anybody but Kyle Pitts. If there was a wide receiver that just one guy was out, you'd probably say like it, it would yeah, be doable, right? So it, you know, I, But if it's one of your two guys that are in conversation for the Heisman, or it's uh, you're starting left tackle you know, then you're like, oh, maybe I don't want to play. But what if it's, you know, do things change? Because Mullen will use things as a competitive advantage. We've, you know, I don't know if we talked about it specifically on that. Well, yeah, we did. How they had to like warm up with their names on the jerseys and stuff. He'll use any competitive. Mullen
0: Mullen is cut from the Meyer cloth in terms of that aspect, looking for any sort of advantage that's allowed. So my
1: point is, so my point is, if it's not – basically, if it's not Trask or Pitts and LSU's quarterback is about to be out –
0: He's going he to figure out a way to play.
1: He should be pushing to play this so game, right? Like this, that is my thought.
0: This is something you and I talked about off-air earlier today, but we also talked about when this came out um, a few pods ago. Mullen really pushed when the SEC released their lenient rules for rescheduling. He really wanted there to be um, – essentially some consequences for canceling a game or at least canceling more than one game because they leave so much room for interpretation by the university so much uh decision making power up to the school as opposed to saying like no matter what you if you have these numbers the game's happening you know or whatever he wanted it to be that you only got to cancel one game before you had to start forfeiting them because he was he thought that this could be used as a competitive advantage. If there weren't more exact guidelines put into place, they did not take his advice on that suggestion. And he, he was frustrated uh, with it saying that, you know, he could see where a team would be like, Oh, you know, we're not going to release how many we have. Cause we don't have to, but this game just can't happen for safety purposes because they had a starter that was either out with COVID or hurt or, you know, whatever reason. Um, so the fact that they did not heed Mullen's advice. It wouldn't actually shock me if he was completely playing within the rules, but using this as a competitive um, advantage. I I don't think if we just were missing one player because of COVID, right? I don't see Mullen letting the game get canceled. But if you're miss- if missing five? five or six, and one of them is a starter. I guess I could see a scenario. I do think it's pretty early in the season to be playing that card because what if you have another game down the road? If this game gets rescheduled, it'll get rescheduled for um, December, I want to say 14th. And that's, that's the open buy that they left before the SEC championship game. So you can't really make up the next game unless you both happen to already have an open by the same week. So like if you both have Florida has a buy between Missouri and Georgia, which would be the last weekend in October, if the other team that you're canceling with also has a buy that game, then maybe you can schedule it there. But three games into the season already occupying your safety net essentially seems pretty risky to me, especially when your opponent is a team that when you look at the rest of our schedule, Florida should beat LSU. I mean, granted, I thought they should beat Texas A&M, but when you've got Georgia down the line, some of these uh, Tennessee, who's looking great, I don't know that I would burn my, you know, get out of jail free card, so to speak, this week if it wasn't absolutely necessary.
1: Well, I hate to, I you know, I hate to assume this, and I'm really not assuming this, but like, like I said, I think even as good as Pitts has been, like, I think really every starter, like you could. You could be down any one starter if you're Florida other than Kyle Trask and still be a pretty good favorite in oh, this game, especially sure. especially if their starting quarterback is out. He's right? also like, out.
0: So, Well, here's the deal. Any starter is clearly replaceable. Sure. Because they, they can play worse. Anything. Like, no, they're not going right. to play worse you know, like, than they're playing on defense. So, it get, well, shoot, the whole two deep could be gone and I'd still be okay because they've been pretty garbage.
1: Um, well, I mean I think Florida needs to find a way to play this game, in yeah. my opinion. Especially with LSU's quarterback out. I yeah, think, I, agree. I, don't it think on get, I don't think you want to get to what the university will allow. I don't think you want to get to the end of the year and have to play Tennessee and LSU back to back because they're gonna lose one of those games. I yeah. I'm just you know, like that's that's too really and then have to go to Atlanta the next week and play Bama potentially. I mean, right. I don't know that I'm projecting them to go to the SEC championship know, anymore, but, but like Good Lord, I mean, you're certainly not going three and zero in that stretch with with their defense. You know, like, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that, like you said, it makes it really, really tough for the rest of the year too. Are, you know, again, so I'm not saying that it. I is think a certain if this game not, is canceled,
0: but- it's because the university administration overruled Mullen. If I really had to guess, the only way Mullen would be for this game being canceled and Florida not not. Really missing literally half their team would be if it's Pitts and, and Trask. That's that's legitimately the only, and I think it would probably have to be both of them, Um,
1: or just Trask, or just right? Trask, yeah, I, just Pitts, like, I think with they'd be Emery. Fine. Because with Emory Hurt, too, I mean, there is no...
0: Correct, correct. You
1: know, you really so, are... Are you going Anthony Richardson at that point? Which, I mean, he has the free year of eligibility like everybody does. There's, right. There's no such thing as a Richard this year, but... But I, you, you, do you really want to start ain't, ain't against beating.
0: LSU for your first right. time yeah, stepping I don't, on the I don't field know that he's, in the uniform.
1: Although, I guess, you know, with LSU's, you know, backup playing yeah. as well, I mean, it yeah, becomes but their a defense. point flip. But, I get
0: it. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, if, if this game doesn't happen... And Trask isn't out. It's because the university is erring on the side of caution. Because let's be clear, Dan Mullen would be cool with this game happening, and honestly, me too. Sure. I don't like. I'm not. I don't want to throw that on him. And I, let's talk a little bit about. Um, you know, he said he wanted the stadium packed, um, and I think it's important. I'm sure most of our listeners are probably from the state of Florida, but if you are not, stadiums can be at 100 percent capacity in the state of Florida. That is. Acceptable for the phase that we are in, our governor's office has cleared stadiums being played at full capacity or being being filled to capacity in the state of Florida. The phase that the state of Florida is in allows for it to happen. The governor said stadiums can and should be at full capacity, so Dan Mullen saying he wants to see ninety thousand in the swamp really isn't as crazy as people made it out to be because it's not going against what our state government has recommended and is allowed. Um, I think that he said that mainly out of frustration. I think that you know Texas A&M says their stadium was only at twenty five percent capacity or twenty percent capacity or whatever, but I think eighty five percent of all people that were there were shoved into the lower twenty percent of their stadium. So I think Absolutely. it felt very loud. If you looked at, uh,
1: you know, yeah, I'm, if you look at the just watching the, TV the, game, shot. Yeah, it, the ups, it looks like a full the stadium. The upper bowl was, yeah, the upper bowl went, the was up- empty. Correct. Uh, Which is technically a a great, right. Which is a great way around the, absolutely the um, rule, the rule, because you can, I mean, if you think about it, the upper bowl is probably only a third of your stadium anyway, right? So you you think about, you have to socially distance, but you can do that at a quarter. If it was half, you couldn't do it correctly,
0: um, and at, I don't know if you've ever been taking
1: away the top, board, um, but
0: to call Kyle, uh, Kyle field, I have not. but okay. So I went when Florida played Texas A&M there, A&M's first game of the sec um, when they joined the sec. It is not particularly steep, and one end is open. So I think you know LSU Stadium, Death Valley being packed floor-to-ceiling, the Swamp being packed uh, floor-to-ceiling, Neyland Stadium being packed floor-to-ceiling, makes a difference because of the shape of it. I don't think whether or not there's fans in the top part of the bowl actually make a huge difference at Kyle Field because it opens up so much in that second tier. So if your bottom is packed, you're probably about to the level that the stadium gets loud wise, no matter what.
1: So how much do you hate? Sorry, go ahead. I got a question though. uh,
0: Oh, I just was going to say, so uh, yes, it was their way around. Then if you watch the game, there were no masks. There are very little, everybody was on top of each other. It's not in theory what the, the SEC, uh, you know, envisioned when they said 20% full. Um, and so I think that that was Mullen essentially saying if they figured uh, out away around this rule. We can too. We felt like it made a difference. I think he was just pissed. I think he was pissed at his team. I think that was just something to to talk about but and was- harp on that wasn't throwing his own players under the bus because Mullen is pretty good about not throwing his own players under the bus. But I can tell you what this, unless they figured out a completely different defensive scheme or at least executed the one they had way better, that stadium could have been empty and it would have been the exact same outcome.
1: Yeah, I you know, there weren't a lot of procedural penalties. It didn't really look like Florida's offense was having a, a tough time communicating. I was going to ask you, as somebody who doesn't like excuses, how much did you hate Mullen here? Again, you understood that he was just pissed, but how much did you hate hearing him blame it on Crowd noise, as yeah, opposed to just. I mean, I mean, I get you don't I, want him to throw players on the bus. He's the, not going to do that the, anyway. But like, it's just such a stupid. The other option is just Mullen to take and, it on
0: the chin yourself, which is what he should have done. That's what Spurrier right. would do. On, you blame it on, it on the
1: crowd noise in a twenty five percent. Seems like a cop out. It, it is, and it's stupid. And I understand not wanting to throw players on the bus. I don't think coaches ever should throw players on the bus. I think they should always take it on the chin because at the end of the day, it's on them, right? Yeah. Um. So. But, yeah, I mean, to blame it on that is is dumb. You know, like that was just stupid. Uh, talking about the game, um, yeah, neither neither defense could stop anything, right? Um, yeah. Florida went into the half up four. Really, really bad clock management by, by Jimbo, I think, at the end of the first half, or else it would have been a tie game. Um, he really just botched that. And I understand you don't want to put the ball back into – you know Florida's hands because they scored every possession, scored a touchdown every possession of the first half, but got a little too cute there and had to kick a field goal. Um, and then Florida's defense actually did force a punt to start the second half. Um, and Florida Those are came out and far went,
0: between these days. The
1: only one, the only one of the game. Um, Florida came out and went up eleven. And I think at that point, um, I really expected A and M to either. Turn the Mond was not very sharp the week before. I expected A and to make kind of a fatal mistake, turn the ball over, go three and out again, not score, miss a field, whatever. I thought that that was the point. Florida up 11, that they would, uh, yeah, that they would kind of mess, not mess up, but just, you know, Florida would kind of take control of the game. They'd go up like 17, 18, or 20, you know. And then a would be fighting back, right? Like cut it from 18 to 10. And then they'd go back up 14 and they cut it from 14 to 11 or whatever, you know, like yeah. kind of like South Carolina did. Florida got up big enough to where, you know, South Carolina kept getting kind of close, but never close enough to like matter. Never the ball with the lead, or I'm sorry, the ball down one score. a um, and comes right out, drives right down the field again. A lot of running, you know, like as bad as the secondary was, they ran all over on that drive. And then after that, um, the offense just went completely stagnant, like the offense yes. was completely done um and and i it's hard to blame the offense in a game where they score thirty eight points but situationally they were really it was really a really bad, bad time too. It was bad to go cold right outside of the turnover um in the last twenty five minutes of the game, the offense accounted for three points right minus the Minus AM's fumble that gave Florida the ball in very, very plus territory, right? With 30 yards to score. So it was a very bad time for Florida's offense to go cold. And again, it's really tough to blame. It is, because if you score 30 points, you you expect to win.
0: But it was a really, Uh, really bad time to not
1: score. Just like like when Florida State last year went up 31 13 uh, against Boise State. Anytime you score 31 points against a group of five school, you should win, right? But if you never score again in the second half, you kind of look at the office and say, well, well yeah, you you probably weren't the biggest problem, but you were still kind of a, I mean, the second half, you well, were just non-existent. And so, you know, and in that, um,
0: that same vein, I, I don't like the idea of blaming Malik Davis for his fumble at the end, because again, 38 points should be enough, but that doesn't get put down on the ground there. Florida wins that game. Because if they never gain another yard, but he just hits a knee, it's a 63-yard field goal from that moment. Florida has one of the best kickers in the country. I I think he hits it at 63, but odds are if he doesn't put it the on score, the ground, mo- you at least move a little more. closer, yeah. right? So then you kick a field goal. Um I, yeah. I so and the same
1: thing happened to the same thing but happened to both teams. I thought the breaks were pretty even because right before that. AM had fumbled, right? And right. they were the ones that were driving. It was a tie game. AM fumbles and then Florida takes it in for a touchdown. And so it kind of went, it kind of went back and forth. So I know we focus on more of the Florida side of that. Right. But um yeah, if Malik Davis doesn't fumble there, if Anaya Smith doesn't fumble, you know, AM probably takes the lead and doesn't lose either. You know, so it's kind of it's um, you know, pretty even game. Yeah. But yeah, I mean Florida just made the mistakes at the wrong time, you know, made yeah, too many uh, for sure.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's, again, that happens. It's it's not This is not the outcome that I was expecting, although we talked about how Texas A&M could be a, j- a dangerous situation. I will say if Florida can fix some of the defensive problems, which at this point is a huge if because right their defense has been garbage for three games they have been missing 10 defensive players not necessarily starters but all 10 guys that have seen time in previous years some of them are starters um and mullen was hoping to get at least some of them back this week so i would be interested to see if those guys are back what kind of a difference that they'll make um mullen is known for making you know smart changes too so i'd be interested to see what he's able to come up with if. The personnel is in the wrong place, if we're not running the right scheme, whatever it is that we're doing, if Florida was able to fix it, this is a good place to have a loss, right? It's better if you're going to lose a game, I would rather lose to Texas A&M, a team in the West, than Georgia three weeks later, a team in the East. This is not in any way saying Florida is going to beat Georgia. Georgia would wipe the floor with the team that we saw on Saturday. So again, not saying that, but if Florida could figure out a way to fix it, this is the more ideal spot for a loss.
1: For sure. Yeah. And like you said, I, there's nothing that they've shown me that, um, says they'll be Georgia. Sure. But again, if you sure. could trade the, if you could trade one for the other, you know, that this would be the one for sure. So, um, you know, I thought the A&M game, it didn't really go down like I necessarily thought it would I mean I thought there I thought that with Florida's defense when we talked about in the beginning of the year I thought the AM game was tricky I thought that going to Kyle Field um playing at a weird time going up against Jimbo you know I thought all those things could like kind of be the recipe for it but I thought you know for the most part the offense was really really good and the defense was just terrible so it's just kind of more of what we've seen from Florida all year they just went up against an offense that you know wasn't in their first week. I'll tell you what, if Florida would have played Ole Miss this week as a play, as yeah. opposed to playing Ole Miss week one, they'd probably good be good. one and two, you know, yeah. because Ole Miss beat the hell out of Bama this week on, you know, offensively, offensively, you know, like, was great. So You know, so,
0: and how does Defense just questioning has to get whether better. Ole Miss had their signal calling? Like that goes right up there for me with Dan Mullen, uh, talking about crowd noise.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, and it's probably gone just back unbecoming for years
0: and- of these head coaches. And sure, could Lane Kiffin know their signal calls? Sure. So could the other twenty plus employees of Nick Saban that have gone on to coach other places? Right.
1: Absolutely. And it's, he's the it's first one that's how just kind of had their number. Been how many years since you know? Several. That's uh,
0: on you if you haven't changed well, been your been, signals yeah, in like, four years or you know however long it's been. Yeah.
1: You know, Florida State fans complain about that as well with uh damian craig who was at auburn um but was at florida state obviously the year before um but that was just like one season removed and you didn't hear jimbo talking about that after we after we beat him right like it was like okay we have, we won who cares what they were doing in the first half if we'd have lost i mean maybe he'd have brought it up yeah. but he's yeah, just adjust and move on but yeah, yeah i don't i don't know that i buy that because you know that's why you're i mean alabama scored ever is stealing signals on defense really a thing you know what i'm saying like are you, you know, can't you just see what coverage they're in when you when they're lined up either on man or 10 yards off the I mean, so I don't even know how that's applicable. Like Alabama scored every time they had the ball, and so did Ole Miss. So, like, what does stealing signals even mean? Like, how would Lane Kiffin know what the defensive signals are? And that's what caught like that doesn't even make sense right. to me. So right. and it's not like Lane was seeing Bama's offensive signals in that having an impact because, again, Bama scored every time they had the ball as well. Like, there again, there's just no defense anywhere in the SEC except for Athens. Um, so I, I the signal thing is, it might be even dumber than the crowd noise thing, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you it won just, the game, shut it up and is go.
0: <laughs> very unsaved, right? I, I, when I think of Saban, I think of somebody that's always accountable, he doesn't ever blame his players, he's never satisfied, regardless of, um, the win. He kind of reminds me of Spurrier in that instance. I came across an old newspaper clipping going through stuff this week, and um, and Spurrier. It was a quote from Spurrier, and I don't remember who they were playing. It was what, uh, probably Tennessee, because for some reason I saved a lot of clips for the games that happened my birthday week because I always went to them when I was little. Anyway, um, it they won by like twenty points, and he said something, you know, like, "Well, we played terrible out there today," and it's like you won by. A lot. <laughs> um and I I feel like that's a Saban trait, too, right? You're never satisfied. That's that's kind of a champion's mentality. And that's just he he sounded whiny.
1: He does at times. I mean, he certainly does at times. I mean, all these guys do, you know, at, at one time or another. Um, you know, they're well, men are just all big babies. So I, I guess I kind of get it, you know. Like that's true. Um Florida's season outlook. The LSU game is weird. Um ESPN gives Florida, um, a I'm going to, have to do reverse math on all of these. 68 percent chance to win. I, I don't know that the percentage is that high. I feel like maybe it's closer to like 60 40, but you know I'm not going to split hairs on the on the eight percent there. Uh, LSU's a 14 point dog if this game happens. I I think Florida's offense is better than LSU's is, um, and I think Florida's defense, as crazy as it is, is better than LSU's is, but. I just think it's a shootout and I I would take I mean we're going to pick pick 'em's later. I mean I'd take LSU plus 14 if this game happens cuz I I don't you know LSU's defense is very very bad too. Um but I just I think both teams just score a lot, you know. And if you're going to give me the chance to you know Trask made I will say this Trask has looked fantastic. He made a throw Um, into triple coverage that was intercepted so, so easily that it wasn't even funny. And we've talked about the difference between trash throwing, um, you know, within 10 yards and longer than 10 yards. And that interception was so bad. Ended up getting wiped out due to like a hands to the face or rucking pass or something that like didn't impact the play at all, but you, you get it. Like that's, you know, football sometimes you get lucky and bailed out on stuff, but I expected that out of Mond. I really didn't expect that too much out of Trask, but it was just such... So, so like that's what's gonna happen if Florida and LSU plays. Like whoever makes like the bigger mistake, uh, throws a pick, fumbles a ball eight, like both AM and Florida did, like that's kind of who I would see winning that game. But um, you know, I think UF wins that game kind of whenever it happens. And then they're a big favorite everywhere else, you know, 87% chance to beat Missouri. Uh, 87% chance to beat Arkansas, 96% to beat Vandy, 83% to beat UK, um, 66 to beat Tennessee, so that's a little closer. And then, you know, UGA has jumped out to be a pretty big favorite there. 70% for, for UGA to win. And that's kind of how I would see the schedule shaken back out. Like Florida goes eight and two and loses in Jacksonville is is what I would think for the rest of this year.
0: Yeah. Um honestly I just I I need to see what adjustments Florida makes and I need to see if uh, it's I understand why Mullen doesn't re- release anything about injuries. And I'm sure if I was a head coach, I'd ha- have the same mentality. It's very hard to predict how Florida's is going to do the rest of the season, though, if I don't know if 10 defensive players, you know, are going to see the field next week, are going to see the field in November, or, you know, you know, like, but if I'm taking the team as it is at this moment, I would predict at least one more loss.
1: Yeah, it would be, it would be very, I'm very, very, we'll get to this game in a second, but I'm very intrigued to see what happens with Georgia this week when they play Alabama. Georgia has the best defense in the country and it's not even close. Um, They are number one, Ohio State's number two, which is kind of weird because they haven't even played, but the gap between number one and number two is as large as the gap between number two and number 33. Like, you know, Ohio State The gap between Georgia and the next best defense is the same gap between two and 33. That is astronomically good. Like just mind-blowingly good. Have
0: you looked at the stats between Alabama and Georgia? Because it's interesting, Alabama and basically every comparable category, Alabama and Georgia are equal in terms of the best offense and the best defense in the league. Okay. So, yeah. uh, which is, I mean, it's just a battle of strength on strength. Um,
1: and it's, and, and it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for it. I wish our game wasn't the same time. Um, but I am going to pull down the second TV. I've talked about doing this for years and I'm totally doing it this week. This is the um, week to do it. Yeah. So, it's such a pain in the butt to carry a 55 inch TV downstairs by yourself, but I'm doing it. Karen like I help just,
0: you. She'll help uh, you. No, she's probably right. stronger than you.
1: She might be, but probably not, but no, so, she'll be like, that's dumb. We're not moving that. But yeah, that, that game is going to be, and we'll talk about it. I'm mean, we'll talk about it. Now. I don't care. We'll get to Florida state later, but that game is going to be a lot of fun. I think that
0: I'm excited for it. The interesting thing is, so uh, to give you just a preview of how, of our pickums, I will never pick against Sabin as long as I live. I don't think I'll ever pick against Nick Saban. So uh, I'm going to pick Alabama to win. However, if we, so strength on strength, you're looking at the number one offense versus the number one defense. When you go to each team's weakness, their defense for Alabama, the offense for, for Georgia. I mean, yeah, I honestly think the edge goes to Georgia, right? I mean, Georgia's had no problem putting up points. I think that the game day coaching is, uh, you know, goes to Nick Saban like a, a million percent. I don't think there's even a comparison there. But on paper, I think that Georgia is the better team.
1: I think so too. I think that um, Georgia's rushing game is is really good. But, you know, Bama's always been very, very good against the run. And what typically beats Bama is passing, right? Like, think about the times that Bama has lost, it's because they played Johnny Menzel. And it's because they played against um Chad Kelly and Ole Miss. It's because they played against Oklahoma in, in that game. So when Bama loses, it's typically the passing game that beats them. Bud Elliott wrote a really, really good article that kind of broke that down, broke down all the Alabama losses over the last however many years, and teams just aren't able to run on them. So that's kind of the one thing that as bad as Bama's defense has been, it's been against passing attacks. Like it was it was um Matt Corral and Ole Miss they just lit them up and so it'll be interesting to see what Bennett is able to do obviously Georgia has a lot of weapons really good running game but I don't you know can he do enough to outscore them I think the I think if either team you know it'll also be Mac Jones looks really good uh, I think people thought there'd be a massive drop off with to uh, to him, and th- there is probably a slight drop off, but he looks fantastic with his anticipation on throws. It'll be really, really interesting to see if that Georgia defense, obviously this will be their toughest test of the year, can stop Alabama on the road in Tuscaloosa. You know, and so um, if if they can hold Alabama to twenty eight, I. Actually, probably a little lower. I think they need to hold Bama to twenty four or less, which is not easy, you know. But if they do, I think they win. If they hold Alabama to twenty four, they win the game.
0: I think we see a shootout and potentially the last team with the ball wins. I don't know. It's if they can hold them to twenty four, they win for sure. I just don't know that I see it being that low scoring. Although Georgia's defense obviously is really good, I just stumbled across a a quote. Now, Hugh Freeze is your boy now at Liberty, right?
1: Mm-hmm. which That's I thought. I'd like so, to, I'd like to take a moment to pause and say that we are one of only 10 programs in the nation that is undefeated right now. Four. zero. somebody also else. I'm not favored. Against. Also favored on the road by more than three points by three and a half points at Syracuse on the road, Liberty flames favored to win this weekend. That probably means to lose, but at least we're, favored. <laughs> I can gloat about it now.
0: Um. So Nick Saban in his uh, interviews this week, Credited Hugh Freeze and the problems that Freeze's offense while he was at Ole Miss gave them, um, you know, his with tempo and RPOs and how that helped him change his mindset for when it came to reshaping his own approach to offensive football. He said, "When you can't beat them, you join them," um, and so that that is how he came, you know, basically to create the offense that Alabama currently has. And I thought that was was interesting. Because this is a guy that didn't even make it at Ole Miss.
1: Yeah. I mean, I
0: like T freeze. It's I, hard to recruit and win it at Ole Miss. So that's not a knock, you know, on him in general. But I just thought that was interesting. And you can see, I mean, Alabama, they used to have just a game manager. They used to have a couple incredible athletes at wide receiver and a, you know, wonderful running back and then just a strong, strong, strong defense. And I feel like they, you know, that's, it's, They've got a lights out offense this year instead.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, college football has evolved, right? With the rules that make it tough on DBs and things like college football has had to evolve to become more offensive. Um, you know, I read, I, I was going to get to this in a little bit, but since we're kind of on it, I read a great article about Elliot, Elliott and we keep talking about why defense is so bad right now in the SEC. The SEC looks like the new big 12, again, outside of UGA, and we've talked a lot about the guys not being able to hit not being able to tackle and that kind of maybe factoring into it. Um, there's also some other things that and I'm stealing straight from Bud Elliott's article who wrote this uh, this morning or last night or whenever, but uh, pick sixes have doubled, right? So you're going to get right. a little bit more scoring there, which is interesting, are,
0: but I guess because passes are up,
1: passes are up by 4%, right? So not a massive thing, but slight little things, more passing, means that you're going to have more first downs because passes go for more yards in attempt than rushes do. So that's going to stop the clock, have more plays run, which plays are up. Teams are running three more plays a game. Again, doesn't sound like a lot, but you're going to have things moving a little more quickly. Teams are scoring more in the red zone by passing more. You're going to have more incompletions. It's going to stop the clock more. You're going to, uh, ultimately score more teams are scoring more touchdowns in the red zone by a mark of two percent again not a massive number but it's all these little things going uh one way um all four new coaches are offensive minded Pittman, leach lane kiffin drinkowitz um and then there's a lot more closer games right there haven't been the just absolute blowouts so teams are trying to score for longer in the game right if there are more blowouts Teams take their foot off the gas. They don't care as much. When games are close, you're still going back and forth, neck and neck, the whole time. So So there have been less games like that Georgia-Auburn game where it was pretty much over at halftime. Yeah. And both teams are like, meh, whatever. You know, think about um, the Bama game against Ole Miss, right? A lot of years, that'd be a blowout. This year, it wasn't. They both scored 50, you know?
0: So I know that. There are multiple coaches within the conference uh, uh, that feel, at least in part, that this has to do with the fact that there was only two opportunities to go full out in pads tackling since the bowl game. I don't know how much I think that factors in here, but I know for a fact from having talked to them that... Coaches feel like that at least has made a difference, and that that's part of why these defenses are not as good as they are, but I, but or as they've been in previous years. But I do um, think that adding four offensive-minded coaches helps, especially in the teams that maybe were pulling these statistics down in previous years. Right? These the the teams that added coaches are some of the bottom dwellers of the SEC. The teams that you would expect to get. You know, beaten 56 to 10 in previous years, things like that. So I wonder how much that like, I bet if you replace the top four teams with offensive minded coaches, if let's say there was a turnover of all the top four teams, I bet it would make less of a difference statistically than replacing the bottom four, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: so w- not so not just the fact that it's four coaches that are offensive minded. I think it's where they fall in the SEC hierarchy. That's what's making that make such a difference um, statistically. But I did think the pick sixes doubling is really is really interesting. I think what what the article said is they used to happen one every fourteen games, so that would essentially be once every two weeks. But now they're happening one in seven games, which is once a week. Once a week. Um, I mean, that's a huge, a huge swing right there. So, and is that then I guess linked to these teams having, uh, you know, more offensive minded coaches or these games being so close. So teams have to air it out. Like, I mean, they're all, it's all connected, obviously.
1: Well, you just, you know, it's like everything, right? Like games adjust, like, you know, the, It's like in the NBA, right, where the mid-range game has kind of gone away because teams understand that if you're going to – you're going to convert on roughly 60% of your shots within five feet, right? And you're going to convert on about 40% of your shots uh, from like the mid-range game, 15 feet and beyond. You're going to convert on 35 to 38% of your three pointers. So, to only drop 2%, you might as well only just take three pointers and layups, right? Like, so that's why Golden State's so effective. Everything that they do, it's not just because they have great shooters, it's because they've adjusted their analytics to say, well, if I'm only giving up 2% and I take, you know, I take 30 threes instead of 30 mid range shots. I'm just naturally going to score more over the course of a season, right? Like you could have one game where you just miss all but two threes, but over the course of the season, the averages are going to, you know, factor out. They're going to, it's all going to kind of come out in the wash and we're going to score more. So that's why the mid-range game in the NBA has gone away. In the NFL and in college, teams are throwing the ball a lot, lot more. Defensive pass interference is a huge tactic tactic, and play. Good offense is just going to beat good defense a lot of times. Mm-hmm. If a player can go up and make a catch or make a play, that's what's going to happen. And so uh, teams have adjusted to it, right? I mean, Jameis was bad last year in the NFL when it came to throwing pick sixes, but it's also because he was throwing the ball 50 times a game. And just like college football that you're seeing right now, where it has doubled through the first three or four weeks, it it's because you're throwing more. Like, if, you know, it's the... <laughs> I won't say it. Never mind. I'll text it to you later. But it's the, if you throw more, you are going to throw more picks. Pick sixes are kind of a luck thing, right? Like based on where you throw them and where the offensive line happens to be that could maybe tackle a guy. But if you throw more, you're inherently going to throw more receptions. You're going to throw more pick sixes. And that's what you're seeing. You're also going to probably score more points because, again, passes go off at a rate of about 10 yards an attempt, right? Rushes. Even on your best day, you're only going for five and sit, five or six. So you're going to stop the clock more. There's going to be more incompletions. You're going to basically run more plays per game and inherently score more if you are throwing there. So yeah, I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, offenses are adjusting, so coaches are adjusting and they're recruiting and the game is changing. Me, now we will eventually you. change back.
0: So that's what I was going to ask you. So this is a huge swing from last year to this year, right? So do we think so and generally when there are changes to the game like let's say when um Urban Meyer kind of pushed the whole conference to start running a, a version of the spread, right? Or before that when Steve Spurrier did the fun and gun and then a, a conference that was previously a completely defensive minded, you know, started putting up points. It was something that like a team or two did. Then the next season, a couple more did, and it took you know several years to kind of change the direction of the conference as a whole. This has pretty much happened overnight, right? One, uh, one season to the next. Do we think it's a mainly adaptations because of COVID restrictions, or b completely unrelated to COVID and just coincidental that it happened in in a year where COVID exists because it is a really fast transformation compared to what we normally see.
1: So I would say that it's more so I, I'll disagree just a little bit. Shocker. I don't think that it's as big of a like overnight thing. I think that it's been building and Yeah, but all teams of the that teams had defenses
0: have, that were great last year are sucking this year with the same
1: players. So I think, and that's where I'm backing up. I think that more teams than what you think had much better offenses than defenses last year. Alabama's offense was better than their defense last year. LSU's offense was much better than their defense last year. LSU's offense gave up like 40 to like who, Missouri or something? Like, or I'm sorry, LSU's defense. So like, you know, for Florida. I think it is the case, right? Like their offense and defense were closer together. But I Florida think there were didn't several. Lose
0: that not that many people on defense last right. over the, for this defense to be as garbage so, as they are.
1: So Florida fits the rule that you're saying. I'm saying that there's other SEC teams that don't. So right? basically, LSU's... it's a different
0: story for every program.
1: Correct. And I think that the trend has been this way. But what you've seen this year is like. Again, whether in this to answer your question, whether this is coincidence or COVID or maybe a mixture of both, for some reason it seems to have Georgia being the exception. It seems to have flipped for every program that it wasn't already that way for. Because LSU's defense was pretty bad last year, right? Like, you know they they weren't great last year. They've also got like three or four guys they declared right or like swapped I mean, it out right before essentially, the season. As well,
0: I think ninety percent of their too deep on defense is gone is in the league.
1: So so that's a big part too. Now again, they weren't very good last year anyway. So I mean,
0: they were, know, were good enough to good. get all those guys in the league. They're not, they weren't terrible. They weren't they weren't what they are now, but they are LSU's defense is a case of rebuilding for sure. I mean, you've got most guys starting who probably barely saw scrub time last year.
1: For sure. Yeah, they gave up 38 to Vanderbilt. Uh I mean, they gave up Sheesh so, uh
0: I have a. Uh, I've been talking to my brother about this. A little Thirty-seven bit, old myths. Yeah,
1: they He ready.
0: has a different theory. He thinks that players care less this year because um, it's a different season. It's um, you know it means a little bit less, and so and he thinks that on defense, effort is what determines outcome. A little bit different than offense. Offense, he feels like is more schematic. It's more like playing a video game. If you execute you know, and you have the better game plan, the offense does well, but defense is essentially blood, sweat, and tears. And he, so he thinks if there were to be less effort put forth, it becomes way more evident on defense than it does on offense, which he was a defensive player, go figure. But um, he just said, basically it's easier to give in and take a play off on defense. And it's much more noticeable when a defensive player takes a playoff. Um, he said like, if a wide receiver runs his route Half speed because the ball isn't coming to him anyway, nobody is going to notice. Um, you know, the quarterback's not going to take a playoff because he touches the ball every single play. But basically, it, it is far more noticeable and far more detrimental if a defensive player takes any playoff, which I thought was interesting. I, my counter argument to that is that nobody playing, everybody playing this season for the most part is playing because they want to up their draft stock, right? You had the option to sit out. In the in this, yeah, do you season. think
1: as, as much as we can criticize Grantham's scheme or anything else, like do you think he's letting guys take plays off? like do you think Marco Wilson was just showing lack of effort? I, I don't, I don't I know think that I've Marco that. Wilson I,
0: isn't recovered I, from his injury, if I, right. in, in all honesty, that, that's what I think like, is happening with him, but
1: yeah. So, my point is, I don't think it's a lot. La- could there be lack of efforts anywhere, sure, but like coaches aren't going to stand for that, they'll bench guys so fast. I don't think that's the case at all. Like you said, they're still trying to get to the league, right? If they didn't want to, if they didn't want to have an effort, they would just sat out. Like guys wanna especially like especially on UF's defense, where your offense is going out there and absolutely. Pile driving the opponent with being right. so crisp and so good. And you literally know that if you force two, three an ounce, you win your the offense is going to go up 21 nothing and the game's over. Right. right. Like, so right. I don't buy lack yeah. of effort at all as, a, as an issue. Now, obviously, I haven't watched, you know, Vandy's defense to know what that looks like. And I haven't watched South Carolina outside of your game. And I haven't watched Tennessee. Sure. Well, I have watched Tennessee, but I haven't watched some of these other ones. So could there be some issues in some of those? Maybe, but I, I'm not buying the lack of yeah. effort. I, I do think, again, a I think it's
0: – conversation.
1: I think it's scheme. Like you said, Like he, I do buy the whole schematic part of it. I think good offense and good scheme, like you can scheme guys open, especially if you're somebody like Jimbo or somebody like Dan Mullen or whatever. You can scheme guys open and you can draw plays that work well and good offense is going to be good defense, especially with the weapons that, that these guys have your number three wide receiver is probably going to be better than that linebacker, or that safety that they have to put on whoever's out there. And you know, they're going to be able to kind of terrorize those defenses. And so I think that's what you're seeing guys understand that, man, it's just a, it's just a scoring fest, you know, like you're basically having the big, big 12 concept right now with sec athletes. Well, of course, you know, the offense is going to win out, you know, it's been the same thing in the big 12 forever, right? Like they put all their offense, all their athletes on offense. And that's why, The defenses struggle in that conference. Well, now you're doing it, and it's just magnified. Like you're doing it with the best athletes in the country in the SEC. I mean, look at Clemson right now. I mean, their offense. I mean, their offense is fantastic. Obviously, their defense is good too. But I mean, that's what wins. Who was the last like, just amazing? Well, it's weird because usually to be a champion, you you have to be really good at both. But like, who was the best like? just meh offense that won a national championship, like just very average offense that won uh, a national championship. I can't remember one, you no, know, I and I, and I'm usually like, that's just who wins. Like teams are great, great offensively, you know, like I, I mean, and it helps when you have a good defense too. Right. But um, most of the time, like the Heisman winner or somebody that is in the competition for the Heisman is in the, is an offensive player on the offense in the national championship, right? And so, um, yeah, I just think that that's kind of the trend of college football. I don't even remember where we're at right now, but that's kind of my thought.
0: Yeah, Um, well, it'll be interesting to see next season if we are through this COVID time, we get to have a normal spring, a normal, you know, two a days, see if this is still the trend there. So this is a TBD.
1: Yeah, the other thing on effort is this is going to be the – I mean, I guess you can look at either way of this, but man, this is, especially for Florida, this was going to be one of the easiest years to, as, as far as how the schedule set up, this was going to be one of the easier years, in quotation marks, to get to Atlanta, to get to the playoff um, that they've had in a while, right? And so... um, Yeah, I just, I don't know that I buy the effort thing. And the same is true for everybody, right? Like this is one of those years where you didn't have to play a tough out of conference opponent. You didn't, you know, Florida got away with not playing Alabama or Auburn. They get to play a down LSU. They got to play um, uh, UGA that I think we all thought wasn't going to be as good. Obviously that game is looking tougher and tougher, but you know, I think that I, I just don't know. I don't buy the effort thing. So tell him to, tell him to take it up with me, so. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, speaking of effort, did you watch any of the FSU game or were you only on the Clemson game?
0: Um, No, we watched we watched um, Alabama, Ole Miss, Clemson and Florida State, like going all back and forth.
1: What are your thoughts on FSU after they It looked game a lot better than
0: I expected them to look against Notre Dame. And I think I think there's two takeaways from that. I think that Notre Dame is perpetually overrated. I think that every single year. Um, I don't necessarily think that applies in this particular situation outside of the fact that I I don't really think that they're a top 10 team. However, Florida State looked like dog crap against teams that were not even a power five team. So this was a huge improvement for, for FSU. I think they took a big step in the right direction. I think, um, we already knew that they'd found a quarterback, but I think he's proving it week in and week out. I think honestly, if there's such a thing as a moral victory, that was it.
1: Yeah. I hate the moral victory crap. Like I was still frustrated that we lost the game. You know, we were severely outmatched in this game and, and you can kind of play the if and but game with two or three plays in Florida state is in it late, right? Like I'm not saying they win because Notre Dame certainly took their foot off the gas in the second half. Um, Florida State comes out, gets a fumble on the first or second play of the game, goes and scores a field goal, drove right down on Notre Dame, 40. uh, I'm sorry, they didn't get very far. They only got like eight yards, but ended up kicking a field goal to start the game could have gone for it on a fourth and two. I thought kicking the field goal there was the right call. You've got to get points on the road. You, you can't waste something like that. Um, Notre Dame scores 14 straight points to go up 14 to three. And it was at that point that it was kind of like, man, Florida State is going to just absolutely get their heads beat in. Right? Like it was cute to get the field goal, but down 14 to three on the road in the first quarter. Uh, we are about to get absolutely meleeed. So, didn't quit, right? Two quick touchdowns end up giving Florida State a seventeen to fourteen lead after the first quarter. From that point, it it did be kind of become the Notre Dame show. Um, Florida State was able to cut it to twenty to twenty eight right before the half, um, but some bad clock management by their by Florida State there at the end of the half, and you know some bad defense led to Notre Dame scoring to go up fifteen again. Thinking they probably get blown out at this point, but they don't. They score a touchdown to cut it to nine. Notre Dame scores another touchdown to put it back up to 16, um, and that's where the game finishes. Florida State was able to stop Notre Dame on a goal line stand with about two or three minutes to go. Very, very impressed by that. Very glad that that happened. Down 16 on the road in a game that is completely over. Uh, I was glad to see Florida State didn't quit. I remember I said that against the uh, when they played the Jacksonville State game, and we, it was tough to have takeaways from that. But one of my takeaways was that they didn't quit down 21-7 to uh, against an FCS opponent. Well, they didn't quit against Notre Dame either. Uh, severely outmatched, definitely going to lose the game, and they kind of stood up and bowed up on that goal line stand in which Notre Dame had their starters in and was still trying to score. So I was glad that they didn't do that. You know, Florida State had the ball down 16 with about eight minutes to go, and threw an interception on the goal line, um, which Jordan Travis was really, really good on. Getting his stats in just a second, but again, not playing the ifs game. I don't believe Florida State was going to win anyway. But if they throw the touchdown there instead of the the interception, it's a one score game with five minutes to go. Not predicting FSU wins, but Florida State loses this game by one score. You feel a lot different, right? I still felt you know never good after a loss, but I think there were positive takeaways. The team looked like they took another step forward. Jordan Travis outplayed Ian Book, in my opinion. They both had very similar stat lines. Uh, Travis was thirteen for twenty four. Book was sixteen for twenty five. They both threw for just over two hundred yards. Book did have two touchdowns compared to Travis had a touchdown and a pick. Uh, but Travis also went for twenty carries and a hundred yards, or nineteen and ninety six with a touchdown. So. I thought Jordan Travis played really, really good. Tamar and Terry came out and played a lot better. Nine receptions, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, Florida State's defense kind of suffers from some of the same stuff that Florida's does. They just look like absolute dog crap. Uh, but the offense looks a little better. If you have told me that we were going to score 26 on Notre Dame, I'd have been shocked. Um, that is with um, missing a two-point conversion. So, you know, getting right close to 28 and throwing a pick down on the goal line, right? Like if you just are able to convert there. I mean, Florida state could potentially scored 30, 35 points against Notre Dame, who again is always overhyped, but is much, much better than Florida state is. Um, You know, we had Tim O'Malley on the, who covers the Notre Dame for Irish illustrated on. Uh And he said, um, you know, good teams score 17 against Notre Dame and great teams get up to 20. And I'm not saying that Florida state is a good or a great team, but I was very impressed with, with what I saw from FSU and it'll be interesting to see. It's I think the path to the path to four ahead. wins gets a little bit brighter. You know, I, I'm not saying it's a done deal, yeah. but I think it's it's brighter than it was.
0: I would I would say that that's a fair statement. I think it's interesting because it's almost like this team uh, you know, has a split personality, right? Because if this team showed up against Jacksonville State, you know, this team beats Jacksonville State easily, right? It's the did. same team. I mean, we did. Yeah, but I mean, uh, blows them out. Sorry, I should have I should have picked oh, my wording. But this team wallops Jacksonville State. Right? This team beats Georgia Tech. Um. I, so I that was interesting uh, to me because obviously it's the same team. So I'd like to know what they what they choose well, to the get a different outcome. I mean, they but. put
1: they put in a, they put in a quarterback in, right? Like well, that yeah, was the I difference. Mean, because because if 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 Jacksonville State if 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 you take away the first two drives where Travis wasn't in, we throw a right. pick six on one and then we go three and out and they lead 14 to nothing. Yeah. We beat Jacksonville state 41 to 10. Right? Yeah. So, I mean that, that is the difference yeah. in the game, right? Like if you take away the two purdy drives and yeah. you have your good quarter, I mean, we, we scored on five of six straight possessions with Jordan yeah. Travis. in. So, I mean, I think that is the difference. I think we're, if we start Travis, we're two and two, right? We, right. we beat Georgia tech um I don't think we get blown out against Miami like we did. I think that you see a little bit different game there. I, I think still think Miami still loss, wins. Yeah. Yeah, but it's probably a little closer like this one is, right? It's probably sure. like a 41 to 27 game or a 41 to 20 game, you know, which right. you do feel better about. So, um they've got another really tough test this weekend. UNC comes in as a 12 and a half point favorite in Doe Campbell um, UNC is the number five team in the country. I don't know that I'm buying that, that you know, but that's where they're ranked right now because some idiot writers like Brett McMurphy and people don't vote for Ohio state because they haven't played. Um, right. but you know, UNC is probably like a fringe top 10, top 12 team, you know? So like that's, you know, whatever. Um, so really big chance for Florida state to try and make a statement this weekend. You know, I think that they'll struggle against UNC, I think that UNC's offense is really good and we won't really be able to stop them. I think they will score, you know, and if we can put up 26 on Notre Dame. I think we can get to 28-31 on UNC. I'm just not confident that we can hold them under 35. And so I could see it being a shootout. I could see it being a UNC win something like, you know, 42-31 to 31 or something like that. Where Florida State is close but just doesn't do enough. If a couple of defensive tweaks happen, I mean, this is kind of what we'd say for both of our teams, right? If a couple of defensive tweaks happen, we could win the game for sure. Yeah. But, I, you know, it's tough to predict because the defense has been so bad. And I, I don't like our – I mean, their defense is better than ours and their offense is better than ours. So you kind of need one of the two, if not both of the two of theirs to to not be as good, right? And, and that's kind of Florida State's path to victory. Everything has to break the right way this weekend.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to win this weekend. But I do think they for sure get four. They they probably upset a team that they maybe shouldn't down the road. I think Florida State fans should be cautiously optimistic.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule and I mean, UNC could very easily be one of those teams we upset. Boston College lost to them by four and they lost to them by four because they were going for two, down two, and threw a, a pick two, right? So right. if they convert on that, then it goes to overtime, and who knows what happens. So super close game there, um, and Florida State's just as good as Boston College, if not better. Like in all the ACC power yeah. rankings, they're ranked ahead, and I know those are kind of meaningless, but you know Florida State could win. The problem that Florida State runs into and the problem that Florida ran into when they were bad and going four and eight, and four and seven, and things like that is nobody cares that you are a – Uh, one in three Florida state team that hasn't made a bowl in a couple of years or, you know, are they, I guess they have made it the last two years, but are, yeah, but nobody cares about that. Nobody cares that you're down. They still see the logo right? And they still get up for you. Like When UNC almost lost to Boston College a couple of weeks ago, it's because nobody cares about beating Boston College. Like You you don't get up for that game. And so UNC is not going to take Florida State lightly, no matter how bad we are. It's still the logo. It's still people want to come in and beat you. And while you're down, that's their best shot to do it. And so when Florida was going 4-8 and they were losing to Vandy and South Carolina and all these bad teams, it's because that was their chance. That's their chance to, te- they ain't going to beat them on a regular year. You're not beating sure, Florida when yeah. they win 10 games. And the same thing here, you know, UNC is not going to like, Oh man, we didn't know what to expect with Florida state and their athletes. And everything. So UNC is going to get up for it. And so it is going to be tough, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I know I kind of go into the FPI rankings every week. UNC has a 75% chance to win. I like that. I mean, if this game gets played four times, Florida state probably does find a way to win one of them. Um, you Um, Louisville has a 68% chance. I like that. If, if, The game gets played three times. Florida state probably does win one of them against Louisville. They're, they're not very good either. Um, Pittsburgh, a little bit closer to a coin flip. Pittsburgh has a 58% chance. We'll see what happens there. NC state, kind of the same thing. Two thirds chance to win. Um, Florida state wins one out of three Clemson. That one's not very fun. 97% chance. If it gets played 20 times, we are barely, we're not even winning one of them (laughs) according to that. Um, UVA is a coin flip at 49 and Duke's a coin flip at 52. So yeah, I think they, you know, they could beat UEV and Duke. They could upset, you know, Louisville or UNC and they could beat Pitt, right? So then you're looking at four wins, four more wins. Well, no, at one, two, three. Yeah, you're looking at four wins at that point. And so, yeah, I think that it's all kind of doable. It'll be tough. But Florida State needs to play. Their effort on Saturday night against Saturday was fantastic. It has to be up. Every game like that. And if they lose to UNC, does the effort kind of reside, um, subside a little bit? Also, breaking news it looks like Timor and Terry's out for a couple of weeks, and that's not good news at all. So, that is. Um, I-
0: that is not good news. Um, also, I I don't think that we've actually talked about this uh, in this specific, but Dan Mullen said today that whether or not the game is played will be decided at some point today. This is Wednesday for everybody that listens to this pod later on in the week. Um, that it, The decision will be made on Wednesday today and that it will be based on the COVID test the team is getting today. Interestingly, that means they're rapid tests, which have a 30 percent false positive um, rating um, or or whatever false positive read, um, which kind of makes me unsure. But I guess uh, I mean I guess I don't really have a choice to wait for them to come back and call the you know the game on Friday or, or or whatnot. But so we should know later today whether or not Florida is playing. There is supposedly ten guys quarantining because of contact tracing. Mullen did not say the number of positives um, that Florida has had, but he did say that two offense, or excuse me, two assistant coaches have tested positive. I will tell you, I have talked to two separate offensive, or not offensive, God, two separate assistant coaches in the SEC that so far, either this offseason or this college football season, had a false positive um, on one of these tests. What happens when that happens is that they, they're they automatically given two tests, okay? Okay. First one tests positive, second one tests negative. They're given two more tests, one 24 hours later, one 48 hours later. If both of those are negative, they assume that the first test was a false positive and that coach or that player can go back to real life. So hopefully we'll know if some of these tests, if any of them were false positives um, You know, today. But that ga- we'll know whether or not that game is happening today. I don't think it's going to happen, but
1: that's where we are. Well, I hope it does. I'm super excited to see it. I think, you know, it would be a lot of fun. It was also at a good time, right? Like it was like Florida state plays. uh, I don't know why, but Florida state plays the late game as, you know, as well as uh, Alabama is a late game as well with, with Georgia. I thought that, you know, getting that three thirty game in would have been a lot of fun. Clemson plays at noon. Miami plays at noon. Auburn, South Carolina is at noon. So that four o'clock slot was just perfect. because it was going to be the best game of the day. True. Well, not the best game of the day, but the best game of the slot. And it was like, oh man, that kind of sucks. So, yeah, um, so if we
0: don't have Florida during that time slot, what are we going to watch?
1: So I mean, like, I, I mean, know. I'm
0: sure we'll find something. But
1: yeah, like a not ranked matchup, you know. Yeah. So.
0: Hey, listen! I'm here for it, especially because every week that we every week we get further into this, I'm just happy we're still playing.
1: I'll tell you what we can watch, and let me see. Let me see what time this is because this is. Oh, I know what we got. Hold on, three thirty, ABC, your UCF Knights at Memphis. It's a three and a half point spread. The over under seventy five.
0: Yes, UCF slightly
1: favored, but. yeah, we can all cheer on the Tigers together.
0: <laughs> Fine, here for um, it.
1: So that's a good one. Um, I talked about Georgia, Bama. I think that's all we have, and we can do our picks and, and get. Out. Oh, Miami got trounced by Clemson this week. That was awesome to see. I mean, if, um, if not yeah. for a blocked <laughs> field goal, if not for a blocked field goal, they don't even score. But a field goal in the first half, so um, just completely outmatched. Uh, Derek King is terrible. Not terrible. He's just not a good thrower. He's a good runner. Um, not a good thrower at all. I saw a stat, and I'm looking it up real quick um, because I thought it was very telling. Derrick King targeting wide receivers beyond the line of scrimmage. He's 44% with 5.93 yards in an attempt, and he gets a touchdown and an interception. All other throws, so throws behind the line of scrimmage, 79%, 8 yards in an attempt, and 5 touchdowns. Uh, one it is wild
0: to me that, that Trash sat behind him.
1: Yeah, he cannot throw the ball downfield. And I will tell you, I think, like I've said, Mullen does a really good job of um, making throws easy, and and Trask doesn't throw down the field a lot, like 10-plus yards, but he does throw ahead of the line of scrimmage. Mullen does such a good – and he did it this week too. Mullen does such a dang good job of putting Trask in a great position and and nickel-and-diming teams all the way down the field. Very rarely – you know, if he gets one-on-one coverage or gets something wide open, he can absolutely let it fly and let the wide receiver run under it. But Florida is so content to throw a five-to-six-to-seven-yard crossing route to Kendara and let their Kendara and go. Or- let him if he gets tackled right there, great. It's seven yards. If he doesn't, he can cut it up field for ten to fifteen to twenty yards, and it is so so effective. Where UF gets in trouble is when their offensive line kind of breaks down. They get into second and third and long, and it's tougher to do that because of the defense goes to zone. But if they can get their five to six to seven yard crossing routes, run plays, swing passes that Mullen puts into the playbook and schemes open, they are such a deadly offense. Right again. Yeah. Everybody struggles in second and third and long. Like That's the point of, of it. But their offense is so, so, so good. So uh, when they do that, right? Miami's the same way, right? They, they, their offense capitalizes on being able to get the ball to their playmakers behind the line of scrimmage, just past the line of scrimmage, and letting them work. Derrick King's just not as good of a thrower as Trask. Derrick King is yeah, he's, he's probably a worse thrower than Jordan Travis. He's the third best passing quarterback in the state. And Travis is running the ball t- well, too. I mean, went for nearly 100 yards on on, um, on Notre Dame's defense on the road. So, yeah, I think that we were sold a bill of lies down there. Uh, like Uncle Soak says, the games got played in Miami this year. <laughs> um, saying that, Clemson is great. Does that happen every off-season? every offseason? Every offseason. I mean, whole, more so uh, than other programs. I
0: get everybody does it, but I feel like Miami does it worse than anybody else.
1: We get sold a bill of goods that their quarterback, you know, King had Heisman odds and everything else. And he was handpicked and all this other stuff. And it just did end up being the case. Um, So let's do this. Let's get our, let's get our picks in and let's get out of here. We've been on for just over an hour and let's, uh, let me high step into this end zone because I had a great week and somebody else did not. (laughs) Yeah. Recapping the week, UNC five and a half. I hit that. Uh, Oklahoma minus two and a half. Great game there. Um, went into overtime. I hit that one as well. Liberty minus 19 and a half against ULM. We wait. both hit that.
0: Oh, I picked Texas. I thought I picked. Wait, did I pick Texas or Oklahoma? I thought I picked you Oklahoma. Took Texas. Damn. All right. I meant to take Oklahoma. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we both took Florida. Uh, obviously, nobody hit that. Uh, I took Ole Miss and Clemson. You took Bama and Miami. They both went to me and then neither of us hit on the Notre Dame because Florida state covered the spread. I went five and seven, five and two last week. You went one and six or one out of seven, um, season standings. I am 14 for 31 and you're 10 for 31. So I'm Uh. almost back to 500. I'm getting close to 500. I need to do it this week. Um, so, picking this week's games, Miami is a ten and a half point favorite at home against Pitt. I like the Panthers.
0: Um, I am going to take Miami. Okay. I need to just that's start the- copying your picks, but here we are.
1: Well, you'll never catch up if you do that. So,
0: <laughs> well, that, that's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have to like kind of find your spots to. to yeah, try well, to get that's what I need to do me. all along. Yeah. Oh. Um. I honestly think that this next one, Liberty's minus three and a half at Syracuse. I w- I kind of like Syracuse to win this game. Um, I think that Liberty is kind of overmatched when it comes to athletes. And accused's quarterback is out. Liberty's been hot. I kind of like Syracuse to win this game at home, but I cannot pick against Liberty. So I'll. Uh, it's my caveat. I-, I think we lose, but I- I'll pick Liberty minus. Three. Oh,
0: I'm picking Liberty. <laughs> I'm never picking against oh. Liberty the rest of the season. I've already said that.
1: South Carolina is getting three and a half points. Auburn is a three and a half point favorite at South Carolina. I kind of like South Carolina to win this. Auburn should have lost last week. They got blown out by Georgia. I think that the Auburn hype is fake. I thought that South Carolina's offense looked really good against Florida, and I like South Carolina to Damn. cover the spread. I don't I know like, if they win or not. I
0: like South Carolina as well. Damn. I'm going to try and pick things you're not picking, I guess, if I'm going to catch up.
1: <laughs> Notre Dame is a 16 and a half point favorite against Louisville um uh, i think they cover this i, I yeah. think they look a lot better than they did and i think they cover
0: i think they cover as well i think Louisville, and that actually from my perspective says a lot more about louisville than notre dame but
1: for sure um if it was 26 and a half again or 27 28 like it was against florida state i think i'd like louisville there but i think it's too close and i think notre Dame can cover that uh, i don't think the game happens but i like lsu to cover 13 and a half against florida
0: Um, I'm picking Florida because it's Florida, but I think that (laughs) I'm going to lose this game. (laughs) All right. I think Florida wins the game to be clear. I just don't think that they beat LSU by that much, but i refuse to bet against Florida.
1: It's too many points. I also think Florida wins the game if it happens. Um, actually, you know what? I take that back. I'm flipping to UF. Uh, with LSU's quarterback out, I am confident that UF wins if it happens. I don't think the game happens anyway, but I, I will take UF just in the case that it does. Um, unless Trask is out, then I flip back to LSU. <laughs> uh, Memphis plus three and a half against US- UCF. I like Memphis to cover and win.
0: Um, I'm going to take UCF.
1: Mm, that's got to pain you. Yeah. Uh UNC minus 12 and a half. Uh, I think Florida State loses the game, but covers the spread. I think they lose by like 10 or so.
0: Um, I'm going to take UNC just because I like going against Florida
1: State. Very good. And game of the week. Oh. Um, I was supposed to be in Tuscaloosa for this. I hate COVID so much. Um, and all this bull crap that's come with it. Um, I like Bama to win, but I like UGA to cover the five and a half.
0: <sighs> that's kind of where I feel where I am, but what the hell I'm going to take Bama.
1: I had already written Bama for you. So we'll recap them next week when I kick Allie's butt again. So, <laughs> um, All right. That's all I've got for this week. The Rays are one win away for the world series. The Lakers won so the exciting. NBA finals since the last time we spoke. So I think it was an episode – oh, man, I don't even remember how far back, but I think I kind of called my shot there. We were talking about who was better friends with Craig and the odds that had come out and things like that and Mm kind of called my shot that the Lakers and Lightning would win, and they did. Yeah, uh, they did. If if the Rays win this and make it three for three – I don't, I don't care at all. Like Florida State can lose every game for the next year. And I, that's whatever. Like how can you – the first three major sports to come back since we all got quarantined and locked away for months and like your teams win it, like I don't, that's just insane. So go Rays, five wins away. Um, hopefully by this time next week they'll be in the World Series as long as they don't blow a 3-0 lead. That should be the case. So yeah. uh, it's also nice to beat the Houston cheating Astros. Like. Even the Red Sox and Yankees fans that I'm friends with that like hate the Rays are like, yeah, yeah, we want you guys to kick their asses because like we don't like them at all. <laughs> so uh, it's nice to have everyone in the world is maybe except for like the Braves and Dodgers because I don't know that they necessarily want to face us. Everyone else in the world is cheering for us and it's kind of a cool feeling. Like you know, hopefully we keep winning. So we'll see. Um, well,
0: fingers crossed that Florida actually has a game. I'm not hopeful, but. I I'm going to – I want us to, right?
1: Fingers crossed, especially with LSU's quarterback out. You know, like, you know, Mullen's got to be begging to to – again, no sources, not saying there's any chance that it's this player. I have no clue. If it's not Kyle Trask that has the virus, Mullen needs to find a way for the game to get played. If it is – Postpone it. <laughs> you, know, you want you want him back, especially with Emory out. Then you're going. Then it's LSU's second string against your third string. Uh, I you know probably side with LSU there. But if it's not Trask, you got to find a way. Figure to Figure
0: out a in. way to make it happen.
1: If it is, cool with it. And I'm not saying that if they cancel the game, that's who it was because they'll never tell us. Right. I, if they cancel the game, it is more likely that you know the president, and the administration just wouldn't let him play. But. Right if it's not him, you got to find a way to play. Like just absolutely have to. So we'll see, um, you know, but I hope it, I hope the game happens. So, oh man, other than that, that's all I've got this week and we'll see you next week.